Hey, welcome back, family, to another guided gathering. We are so grateful to continue to worship together, even in times like these, as Stephanie mentioned earlier. And so I just want to say happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. Thank you, Bob, for praying for us today. Uh, We love that we get to not just look to our Heavenly Father as a father, but we get to teach each other how to be better fathers here within family. And so thank you, Bob, for praying that over our men today. Um, Really want to just encourage you. We are in our 15th week of Guided Gatherings. That's hard to believe. You've done it. You've made it to 15 weeks. That's like a whole semester. Good job. We're so glad you have stuck with us. And so today we're going to shift a little bit. We've really been lamenting a lot in these last few weeks and then really finding our joy in Christ. And Tori did an awesome job last week of being really direct on a lot of the issues that are happening around us right now. So I want to encourage you to go back and watch that message because it was so powerful, if you haven't watched it yet, to really address what we believe as a church family and what we're saying and how we want to put Christ above anything, even our own identity. We want to find our identity in him and who he is. And so he is above all things. And so I would encourage you to go back and watch that. Today, we're going to continue in Philippians 3. We're going to press in here. And so if you're feeling weary of Zoom, if you're feeling weary of guided gatherings, you're not alone. It's okay. But we're going to continue in God's word together. And so I don't know if COVID has brought some loneliness into your life. I don't know if it's brought even some depression. Maybe COVID has just really tried to take down your joy. It could be the enemy doing that. It could be circumstances around you. But let's dive into God's word together to find some hope today. Let's shift a lot of what we're feeling and let's look to the truth of who God is. And so as we're really considering God's word, let's look at how it changes, how we move and breathe, what we do with our hands, how we act. And so this is going to apply to our lives. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today because as we get into this, I know you got time to dive into the scripture this week. And so I'm going to give it to you and we'll unpack some of it. But let's really see what the Lord has to say to us today. Uh, we want to turn our eyes to Jesus in everything. As Stephanie mentioned with our mission earlier, we want to exalt the name of Jesus. And so we have to have our eyes fixed on him to exalt him, to reproduce disciples, to send people. Our eyes have to be on Jesus. So let's put our eyes on him this morning as we look at Philippians. So far in Philippians, we've looked at how we're a gospel-saturated people. That the gospel saturates everything that we do, everything that we are, all that we touch should be saturated with the gospel. We should be filled with joy in that. And that the joy of Christ in us should affect everyone around us. We want to be joy-filled. We want to live as Christ. And so to live as Christ is really changing our attitude and our heart. Say, it's not about me, but it's all about him. We want to be unified in humility, following Christ's example that we saw in chapter 2, where Christ came down and gave up his life for you and me. We wouldn't even be singing in this office today if it wasn't for what Jesus had done on the cross for us. We want to be sacrificial servants. A few weeks ago, Juhan reminded us of how we can sacrifice our lives for the sake of others, just as Christ did for us. And we ultimately want to make sure that Christ is above all things, like Tori said. And so this morning, we're going to continue with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about him. And Paul really shifts his tone here from really talking in a a way that's maybe above and into really practical ways. And we're going to shift our tone to see, hey, Paul's kind of talking like a coach this morning. In a lot of ways, he's like a dad who's saying, come on, son, let's go. Let's get in the game. And so that's kind of the tone that I've been feeling from Paul all week studying this. 
And when he tells us to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead, he's like, come on, son, come on, daughter, you got this, let's go. And so that's kind of our tone. And so I I think of times uh, where I've had a really good coach. I've really had maybe good teammates that have pushed me, encouraged me. And then I think of like Ray Lewis, you know, like he's going to protect this house. There's an intensity. There's a joy. There's a passion. Right. We want to protect this house. We want to move forward and we want to not let the enemy take over in the same way. I think of my wedding day, actually. Because I had all my groomsmen, I had all my ushers around me. Uh, I was at Cypress Creek Church, this church that I loved and knew, and all my friends were going to pray over me. But then in walked my dad. And I thought, you know, my dad's going to pray for 30 seconds, and then this guy that mentored me for like four years, he'll pray a little bit. My brother will pray. Before you know it, my dad has all of us chanting and moving and a 15 minute prayer later, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. I am so ready to get married. You would not believe. okay? and then he officiates our wedding and he shows us, hey, this is the gospel. And so in that, I have an earthly father that really points me to the gospel and he challenges me and encourages me. And man, he pumped me up for my wedding day. So thank you, dad. Happy Father's Day. I appreciate it. So today, there's really three things Paul is kind of pumping us up to do. And the first is, is really a twofold thing. He's going to tell us one thing to do and then give us two. And so press on and look up. Look up toward heaven. Grow up and imitate Paul. It's time to grow up for a lot of us. We need to be more mature in our faith. We need to be transformed citizens of heaven. Man, we are transformed. We're not going to look like this in a thousand years. Praise God, right? We're going to have glorious bodies just like Christ. And so we get to be transformed to look like him. So as we get started today, I'm going to ask my friend Daniel Tan to read from Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Hi, well, family. My name is Daniel Tan. I'm part of the Tarrytown CG, and I help co-lead a missions class at The Well. Today, I'll be reading Philippians 3, 12 to 16 in Mandarin. This is not say I have 或者可以达到基督耶稣要达到的目标弟兄姐妹我并非以为自己已经得到了我只专注一件事就是忘记背后努力向前直奔目标要赢得上帝记着基督耶稣从天上呼召我去得的奖赏我们中间成熟的基督
In fact, we're being made to look more and more like Christ, and we see that we haven't attained this yet. If Paul hasn't attained it, I have definitely not attained it. And I'm going to say you haven't either, okay? And so we get to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, A lot of us think, if I just do this, right? If I just get married, then life will be a little bit better. If I just get that job, then life will be better. If COVID is just over, then life will be better. That will not complete you. A job, a spouse... A raise, whatever it is, will not complete you. Only Christ will complete you on the day of resurrection. And it is good news that we're looking forward to that and not some temporary earthly thing to complete us. We get to look forward to heaven. We get to do that together. It's so, so good for us to have that. We get to have assurance of our faith. When I look at Paul here, he's saying that he's pursuing Christ. And we get to pursue Christ because Christ has pursued us. And so you might be struggling even with your faith during this time. How can you be sure that you're saved? How can you know? Well, it's because Christ has made you his own. You didn't do it. He did it. Because Christ has made you his own. And so I pursue Christ because he has pursued me. And that's really the attitude of our hearts. As Anthony was sharing earlier in worship, he really actually quoted Romans 8, 14 through 17, which says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What good news is that? Right. Like we are sons and daughters adopted by the father. That is good news for us to remember and take in that we don't have to go back to really a spirit of slavery or bondage of slavery. But we get to live in light of the gospel. We get to live differently. First Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Christ fully knows you because he made you his own. You may not feel known today, but I want to tell you, believer, brother and sister in Christ, he knows you deeply. And you might not see how he knows you. You might not see that you are a son or a daughter right now, but Christ wants to reveal that to you, that he knows you. You might see in a mirror dimly. This is Paul, Apostle Paul saying this. But yet we get to know and we get to attain one day the spirit of sonship, daughtership, really, that we are sons and daughters, the most high God. Wow. I mean, that that is like supernatural, right? Like we can't do that. We can't attain that. Only Christ can do that. And it's because of what he's done on the cross. And so because of that, because Christ has made us his own, Paul tells you one thing to do and then he gives you a long list of things to do. Okay, so he says, but one thing I do. And he gives you two things. Now, it's nice to say it twice, and we've been in that, okay? (laughs) But these are two different things. (laughs) And so it says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. I have to ask myself here and really pause because I see so many times in the epistles and in the gospels too to remember, 
Remember, remember, remember. Remember what God has done for you. Remember how God brought people out of Egypt. Remember how he's created us. Remember, remember, remember. And here I'm being told to forget. And so if I'm reading that, I can get a little bit confused. God, you told me to remember these things. Now you're telling me to forget these things. So what am I supposed to remember and what am I supposed to forget? And so I have to also look here at Ephesians 2, 12 through 13. It says, remember that at the same time you are separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you were once far away and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, this is all about Christ. He's the one that who has made you his own. We were far from God. We're told in the scriptures, remember that you were far from God. Remember that you needed a savior. But forget the sin. Don't glory in your shame. Don't be stuck in 10 years ago, even the glory days of saying, man, I used to walk really closely with God. God wants more for you than that. He doesn't want you to glory in the glory days of your Christian faith. He wants you to glory in him. He doesn't want you to be stuck in the past of your sin and shame and not step into what he has for you to do for him and the purpose he's called you to on this earth. He wants you to move forward, to strain forward, right? I think of a story in in John 9. Uh, We won't go there, but it's a story of a son who was born blind. And he's brought before these religious leaders because he was healed by Jesus. It's a great story to look at because we see that he doesn't know a whole lot of theology. He doesn't have a lot of these questions figured out, but he remembers something very powerful. He says, I do know I was blind, but now I see. Man, isn't that the gospel? I mean, amazing grace right there, right? Like I once was blind, but now I see. Now we get to experience new life. He's remembering what God healed him from without dwelling in the pain of being blind, without dwelling in all of the things that happened before. He's saying, I know this, though. I was blind, and he healed me. And for me, if I, if I dwell in cancer and say, you know what? I, I used to have this, and I just talk about it all the time. Well, I really shouldn't do that. I shouldn't live in that past. I should say, thank you, Jesus, for healing me, and thank you that I have life in you. If your past is full of brokenness and pain, which all of ours are, I don't know what your story is, but if it's filled with drugs, if it's filled with alcohol, if it's filled with sex, man, if you're glorying in those things, you need to forget those things because that sin is going to hinder you. Anything that's hindering you from exalting Jesus and straining forward, you need to forget. But whatever God brought you out of where you can say, thank you, Jesus, and you filled with gratitude, remember that so that you can strain forward because you have your eyes on the prize because you know that looking heavenward is better than what you're experiencing here. I think of how Moses led the people out of Egypt. They had 400 years of slavery and it still took 10 plagues. They experienced a desire for the promised land and many of them had a hope deferred. They were looking towards the promise, but all of them at some point said, I want to look back And they were choosing the comfort of slavery and bondage rather than choosing to believe in the one who gave them the promise of the promised land. They were choosing to look back at the comforts of slavery and pain. We do that with our sin. We look back and we say, I just want to go back to this. It's way easier to do that than following Jesus. 
It's way more simple. I don't feel get bad. I don't feel guilty. I don't have to deal with any of that. I can just go back to that. When God has something so much better for you, and we have to believe in the one who has promised us new life. We have to believe in the one who has called us heavenward. So church, get your eyes up. Don't be looking down at these earthly things. Don't be stuck saying, I I might just want to go back to this. You might have fallen back into some sin struggles during COVID. You might have fallen back into addictions and habits. And don't fall back into the comfort of the slavery of sin and the bondage of sin. Look towards heaven and look up to Jesus. Like We have this hope, but we don't live in it. Some of you are kind of in the desert like the Israelites were. And you're saying, you know what? I don't know if I want to turn towards God and just keep moving and taking that next step of faith. Or I don't know if I want to go back. If you're in the desert right now, man, choose faith and choose Jesus. It is harder, but it is more worth it than you could ever imagine. Man, I think of two young guys, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody thought they were crazy. But guess what? They're the only two from that generation that got to enter the promised land. I pray that the well would be like Joshua and Caleb. That when the world is filled with fear and chaos, we're saying, hey, I choose to believe not just in the promised land, but in the one who made the promise. And so I look at that and I'm filled with hope for us that we can forget the shame of sin, remembering the redemption that God has given us, though. That we can forget what lies behind. I mean, it lies behind because it is dead. It's not alive anymore. It's lying down, literally. And we're straining forward towards the prize, which is up in heaven. You get that? Lying down in death and alive in Christ, right? And so we get to see that over and over. We get to forget the works of our flesh. We get to forget our successes. And we get to turn towards Jesus. Um, Right now, you might be saying, Uh, God, I want to be like I used to be. You you miss out on the promise of what God has for you right now. If you're saying, God, just get me out of COVID and make life normal again, I also would say you're probably missing out on the process God has for you. Because if you end up the same after these 15 weeks where life hasn't been normal, then you probably haven't been letting God sanctify you and change your heart. If you haven't changed or shifted or fallen more in love with Jesus just a little bit, Man, are you making the most of this opportunity where life is different and chaotic, where you have to depend on Jesus? Remember God is still working. Remember he has still been leading people to himself, that he is moving and bringing revival. He does not need stadiums for that. He doesn't need hundreds or thousands of us in any church building to do that. He can bring revival through YouTube. He can bring revival in any way he wants to. And he's doing that. God is still on the move. And so in that, we get to strain forward towards the goal, towards the prize of heaven. So church, let's go. He's calling you. Let's continue. I mean, we're his workmanship. We're his handicraft. We're his art piece. You are beautiful in his eyes because of the blood of Jesus. Like, let's continue. He has called you to himself. Second Thessalonians 2.14 says this. To this he called you through our gospels so that you may obtain the glory of Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we get to obtain the glory. And so we see that with Paul's wrestling with that, obtaining the glory of Christ there. It's because God has called us. He's called you to himself as a father calls his sons and daughters. We're in historic times and God is moving and working. Do you want to be a part of that? Or do you want to go back to the comfort of your sin and the bondage of sin? Do you want to say, you know what? I choose Christ above this world. Forget and remember. 
strain and rest in the assurance of salvation. These can kind of feel like a seesaw, right? Like this is hard to balance. Like I'm supposed to forget, I'm supposed to remember. I'm supposed to strain, I'm supposed to look ahead, and I'm supposed to rest in who God is. But the good part of that is that we get to grow and that God continues to reveal things to us. Paul even talks a lot about thinking here, and we're going to continue in that. But Philippians 1.6, earlier in this book says, and this is Paul to us, he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. That day has not come yet. That is good news because it's going to get a lot better. What you see right now is not it. This is not the end of the story. You're not just saved to live a more moral life. You're saved to be glorified in heaven, to look like Jesus. So in verses 3, 15 through 16, we're going to see a lot about maturing in Christ. How God wants to transform our hearts, our hands, and our minds. And if anything you should think otherwise, God reveals that to you. That's good news. I need God to reveal this to me. And so for all of us, we need to make sure that we're not writing other people off because God hasn't revealed something to them yet. We don't write people off from grace because the Holy Spirit might be doing a work in their life that he's maybe already done in your life, and you're judging them for that. At the same time, we can't just believe whatever we want to and think that we're going to be with Jesus face to face. So we have to point people to truth in love and do that together. And so if we look at how Paul is thinking and what he's thinking, that reveals where his maturity is. His maturity first starts in his mind right here. He says that he's led by the Spirit. He's in Christ Jesus, and he has no confidence in the flesh. And so for us, as we process how to mature, it starts in your head, in your mind, and saying, okay, I want to think differently. God, would you transform my mind? Maybe you even need to pray that. Lord, would you transform my mind to think the way that I should, to be mature in Christ? When we look at those uh, Israelites, really the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, who was leading them? Moses. And we see in Hebrews eleven twenty six Moses' attitude towards Christ. He says in Hebrews eleven twenty six he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Yeah. Family, what are your eyes on today? Are your eyes on the things of this world, these earthly things that are lying down in death and in bondage, or you're going to strain forward towards the reward? Moses was one of our examples in that. Christ was even looking to having the family united. We're looking forward. And so as we grow up and imitate Paul, we need to think differently. And so I'm going to ask my friend David to read Philippians 3, 17 through 19. Hey, Well family. I'm David Stanfill. I'm a covenant member here at The Well. I'm also a member of the Brentwood Community Group. And today's scripture that I'll be reading from is Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David, for reading that today with us. I think as we imitate Paul and as we grow up, man, we're a young church, but we can really learn from each other, right? We can imitate those that are walking with Christ. As I was reading this and going through this this week, God revealed something to me that I really hadn't seen before. Is that Paul, I've always thought, is like, hey, imitate me and me only. It's like, look at me. 
But one of the things, if you're worth being imitated, is that you're actually making disciples. And right here we see that Paul is saying, follow my disciples who are following me. Follow those. Follow the example of those that are living like us is really what he's saying. And so if you want to be a leader in God's church, if you want to be followed, if you want to be imitated, don't start with the question of are you worth imitating, but are you making disciples? And that's really convicting for me as I read this is, am I actually making disciples who look more like Jesus, not like me? But Paul's able to say, imitate me because my disciples look more like Jesus. Follow their example. And as he's discipling them, he's seeing them grow to be more transformed to look like Jesus. They're being sanctified, really the process of becoming more like Christ here on earth. And so we look again, not Paul, just what he's thinking, but we get to see a mindset and an attitude, right? And then he calls them to walk. Keep your eyes on them, those who are walking in the example, right? The ones who are walking according to what Christ would call us to do. But then something powerful here happens, and this is a great thing for us to wrestle with, especially what's going on in the world around us right now. If I'm going to imitate Paul and imitate those that are being discipled by Paul, those who are following his example, I need to cry. I need to cry and have tears for those that are enemies of the cross. I don't need to judge them. I don't need to be angry at them. I need to realize that they are distant and far away from God, just like I was. I need to remember what God has brought me out of so that I would have a love for people that don't know him. I need to go back and say, okay, thank you, God, for saving me from this. Would you allow me to love people that are still in this? Rather than judging those that I see as I scroll through social media, as I talk to friends and family, I don't want to judge them. Does my heart break for them? Because it says here that their destruction is coming. And so John Piper calls this passage right here really a mini theology of hell. Is that we see that we will have citizenship in heaven, but that their end is destruction. And we have to remember our end was in destruction until Christ made us his own. And so am I crying for those that are enemies of the cross? And Paul here, he says there are many who are enemies of the cross. And it convicts me to think about those in our world and our families where we're saying, okay, they're enemies of the cross. They're living apart from Christ, not just the knowledge of Christ, but they don't want to suffer with Christ like on the cross. And so that makes me think, am I crying over that or am I judging? And I'm convicted to that. And I'd ask you to wrestle with that as well. The word destruction is used 18 times in the New Testament. And every time it's actually used to refer to help. It's referred to talk about the pain and, and the, the suffering that's going to happen to those who are enemies of the cross. And for all of us, we need to weep for those that are far from God today. Maybe you are far from God today. Maybe you're realizing that you have not allowed Christ to make you his own. That you haven't entered into relationship with him. That you haven't been transformed yet. You're not started even being sanctified. But I want to encourage you and ask you and really beg you to invite Jesus into that. So that your end would not be destruction. And, and for us as believers that we would not glory in our shame. We wouldn't celebrate our sin. We wouldn't celebrate our past sin either. That we wouldn't really be uh, following and worshiping our bellies and our appetites for the things of this world. 
Guys, who's the other person or really thing that was said that was on his belly? Satan was cursed down on his belly in the garden. And so we're associating with him. We don't want to have our minds on earthly things, but on the things of heaven. And so we want to then be transformed citizens. Those of us that are mature in Christ, we're looking at heaven more than earthly things. And so now we want to look at Philippians 3, 20 through 21, because we see this is for us, family of God, that we are now citizens of heaven. So I'm going to ask my friend Andy Tester to read that for us this morning. Hi, Well fam. I'm Andy Tester. I'm a Covenant community member here at The Well. I serve on the Connections team, and I'm also part of the East MLK community group. Today I'll be reading Philippians 3, verses 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Man, this is such good news for us, family, that our citizenship is in heaven. We get to be transformed from lowly bodies, broken bodies, sinful bodies, bodies that are suffering, bodies that are getting COVID, bodies that are getting cancer, bodies that are filled with pain and anguish. And in that, we get transformed into glorious bodies like Jesus. I mean, when we become citizens of heaven, there's going to be a lot of other good things that are going to happen. But we see here that Paul directly talks about our bodies. I mean, we're going to be with Jesus face to face. Why does he talk about our bodies here? He's showing the contrast of those that are putting their hope in earthly things. That their bodies are going to end in destruction, but our bodies are going to be transformed to look like Jesus. And so we, we have this hope, this joy that we're citizens. We're actually citizens together. Every tribe, tongue, and nation will be celebrating at the throne of God. In Revelation 7, we see that the nations come together, the ethnicities come together to worship at the throne room of God, period. God, period, okay? Do we get that? Do we feel that? Do we look forward to that day? Or is it some story that we've heard since we were little kids that we think is good, and I'm going to say that until I'm old? Or do we really believe this is where we're headed? And yes, if we died today, are we going there? Yes, I believe that. I know where I'm headed and it changes how I live on this earth. Romans 5, 9 through 11 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received reconciliation. The ultimate reconciliation is salvation with Christ, that he has not just justified us on the cross, making us righteous, that he has not just saved us in this world to live differently and really sanctifying us in that process, but he glorifies us to be with him and like him. I don't think about that every day. I don't understand the magnitude and the joy that I get to be like Jesus and with him and before the Father and we're family and it's good. I don't think about that. I feel often that God is this distant God, that he is so big and huge, he's out there. But I don't think the fact that I get to enter into his throne room and worship him with all of my brothers and sisters from every tribe, tongue, and nation Man, do we really consider ourselves citizens of heaven being transformed to look like Jesus? Are we citizens of this world? 
that are struggling to look back at the safety of sin, the comfort of sin, and that we're missing out on what God has for us. Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven Says, the best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven. The worst of life is a glimpse of hell. For Christians, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. For unbelievers, it is the closest they will come to heaven. Man, that truth sits deep that we get to experience the best of earth, and that's the closest we're going to get to hell. Because we get so much more seeing our Heavenly Father face to face. We have assurance that He will transform our lowly bodies into glorious ones like His. We will not only be with Jesus, but we'll start to look like Jesus. And so I, I challenge us, forget what lies behind. Forget your sin. Forget your success. Only remember what is going to make you fall more in love with Jesus. His redemption. How he has saved you. As we have been forgiven much, we will love much. As we have experienced his goodness, we will share that with others. We will push back darkness in that. And so let's press on. Let's keep our eyes on the prize of being with Jesus face to face. Let's continue to grow up as a church and as individuals to imitate Paul, to think like him, to weep for those that are perishing and will not be able to see Jesus face to face, for those that are enemies of the cross. And let's be transformed. Let's not be the same after COVID. Let's not be the same in 10 years or 20 years. Let's continue to be sanctified to look more like Jesus because one day he's going to transform our lowly bodies to look like his glorious body. And so we are invited into this family. We're invited to look more like Jesus. And we're invited into the hope of seeing him face to face, that we would strain forward, that we would push forward in everything that we have to make much of Jesus and to look more and more like him. And so I want to pray to that end, that if you're listening to this today, that you would push towards Jesus, you would strain towards him because he has made you his own because Christ pursued you and gave his life freely for you on the cross, that you would give your life for him and pursue him out of gratitude of what he's done for you. And that we get to worship him face to face on that glorious day where we are citizens of heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you invite all of us freely to your throne of grace that you allow us to not dwell in the past, either in our pain, in our successes, but that there is more, God. There's more. We get to look like you, and we get to look up at the prize of heaven. And so would you allow our minds to focus on you, Christ? Would you shift our eyes off of ourselves and off of the things of this world to keep our eyes focused on the prize that is set before us, the prize of heaven, the prize of seeing you face to face, the reward of following you with our lives. We thank you for pursuing us. We thank you for making us your own. We love you and we ask that you transform us to look more like your son. And we grow up and imitate and think differently and have a heart for those around us that are enemies of the cross. We love you and we ask that you would complete the work that you have started in us as you promised in Philippians 1.6. That one day we will be complete and we get to look forward with that hope. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.